you've got your Bibles, go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll explain in, in just a minute. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 19, and it says this. This is why, this is Paul writing, he said, this is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. It's a pretty good prayer so far. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness, and this is what I want us to hear this morning because we're going to focus on this reality, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Everybody shout power this morning. Come on, everybody shout power. power. Power towards us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. And so this morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, remember the bunny. Remember the bunny as we look at the power available to us in and through Jesus. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's powerful. That it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. God, we thank you that your word is powerful. And it's that power that we need. Some of us are struggling this morning. We need your power. Some of us are afraid this morning, we need your power. Some of us are insecure this morning, we need your power. Some of us are caught up in the things of life, we need your power. Some of us are distracted, we need your power. And simply, some of us are just feeling weak, and so we need your power. And God, I pray that you would give it to us right now as we, as we open your word, as we, as we talk about your grace, as we gaze upon your goodness. Would you speak to us now? Our hearts are open and our ears are listening. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. 1989, the Energizer Bunny is born. How many of you have seen the Energizer Bunny before? Come on, show of hands. Some of you know, who I'm, you know who I'm talking about, all right? Ten years later, 1999, and I quote, Advertising Age named the Energizer Bunny to its list of top ten brand icons of the 20th century, citing this. Citing him, the Energizer Bunny, is this, the ultimate symbol of longevity, perseverance, and determination. So they said about the Energizer Bunny, and I found it fascinating as I was, as I was reading about this this week, I found myself studying top icons in, our <laughs> in, our, in American history when it came to, to brands, and I read this, and I was fascinated at this idea, so I watched the bunny's journey, and uh, I was reading like this small autobiography that they actually, Energizer, did on the bunny. Believe it or not, they go to that length to talk about the bunny. And uh, I loved the bunny as a kid. Like, I don't know if you remember the commercials when they first started coming out and you'd see like, he keeps going and going and going, right? Like, and the Energizer bunny was going and my mom used to call me the Energizer bunny. And my teachers would call me the Energizer Bunny. She'd be like, you're a lot like the Energizer Bunny. Many of you know that when you come here. Like, I'll start quiet for about a minute and a half, and then we're at level 10. Why? Because of the Energizer Bunny, right? I love, I love the bunny. And he shows something that, that I've always been fascinated by, and it's the issue of, of power. Now, for many of us, I don't know if you've, ever, if you've ever said this to yourself before, but if we can just have a moment of disclosure, maybe a little therapy this morning, where you've just wanted to kind of give in before? You ever, you ever been there before? You ever been in that place where you're just kind of like, I'm done. Like, I'm done pushing, I'm done striving, I'm, I'm, I'm done going. Like, it, it's good enough where, where, where it's at. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of done. And I think this is an important issue for us to face because for many of us, this is where we struggle with our relationship with Jesus. 
Because for many of us, we found ourselves in the position where I want to stop. I don't, I don't want to go on anymore. This faith thing is hard. This marriage is hard. This business is hard. Parenting is hard. Like in a moment of true disclosure, can we just admit now that life in general is pretty hard sometimes? Right? And here's what I've discovered. Many of us, many of us try to make it through life in our own ability. Fair statement? We try to work it out. We try to do that. And then, so we go to bed one night, and we're like, okay, I'm going I'm to conquer Tuesday. And we get up in the morning, and we go, breathe in deep, and then we go, and we push, and we push, and we push. And then by the end of Tuesday night, you realize, I don't know if I've got anything for me for Wednesday. You ever been there before? And so we go, all right, breathe in deep, have a Red Bull. Wednesday, here we go. And then you start going through Wednesday, and then you get to Wednesday, and you're like, I don't know if I've got Thursday, and enough days like that, enough weeks like that, enough months like that, and potentially a year like that, you quickly come to the point where you're like, I'm done. I'm done. And we believe in this thing called willpower, don't we? Willpower, personal strength, intestinal fortitude. I'm a push, I'm a drive, I'm, I'm strong. And here's what we fail to realize, it's in that mentality that we actually start to agree with Darwinism. Survival of the fittest. And then we believe that perseverance, we believe that endurance, we believe that our ability to make it through this life is then about our predisposition and our ability to do something. But the Bible takes us on a very different storyline. The Bible actually helps us see that your my ability to persevere, endure, and keep on going life has nothing to do with my own personal ability. It has everything to do with his power. What if I told you this morning that our ability to keep on going in that thing, whatever's in front of you, you fill in the blank, has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. How many of you would be intrigued by that? I would. What is your power source? See, the Energizer bunny on his, on his own is nothing. He's a pink bunny with a drum. Then he's got this tiny little battery right here. This little thing. So Energizer says if the bunny's got the battery, the bunny's going to keep on going. And I want to let us all know this morning, there is this amazing truth that we've got to get, is that we have a power source. We have a battery that is available to us when we feel like we're at our worst, when we feel like we can't keep going. There is a source of power that each and you, we each have, and his name is Jesus. He gives us the power to keep on going. And I think at some point or another, we all face it. It happens when there's a plot twist in life that we didn't expect, when the marriage is all of a sudden not what we thought it was, when the relationship turns out to be very different than we thought it was going to be, when the company decides that all of a sudden it needs to make cutbacks, or when the job decides that it needs to move you to a brand new state where you know no one and feel isolated and alone. It happens when the diagnosis is not what you were hoping it was going to be. It happens when you realize that these kids are watching and learning from you. It happens when you realize that people are looking to you and following you. It happens when God speaks and challenges us to believe for greater and stretches us to go for more. It's in those moments where we realize maybe I personally don't have enough power for the journey. And positive Caleb moment this morning, you don't. <laughs> What'd you learn in church today? Apparently I don't have power for the journey in and of yourself. But in Christ, 
we have all the power that we need. And that's a really cool part of it. You can keep on going. Our life of faith can keep going and going and going. Why? Because we have a power source like no other. And I think that's the question that we wrestle with in these moments, right? How am I going to do this? The beautiful thing is that the, provi- the Bible provides, God's word provides for us the answer to this question. It's the power of God. Now, in the New Testament, the Bible uses a word. It's a Greek word. It's the word dunamis. That's the, the word for power. And it means this, power achieving power, the ability to achieve. All the words derived from this, this word have the meaning of being able and capable In other words, the things that you face, the stuff that's going to happen in life, the marriage that you're in, the battles that you're facing, everything, like the gamut, you need to understand that you are capable and you are able, not because of your power, but because of his power, his power in us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take a look at five distinctives of the power of God in our lives as we propose to live out the life that God has for us, regardless of of the details because here's the deal every single one of our lives is going to have different details isn't it something's going to happen to these guys something's going to happen to these guys something's going to happen to me something's going to happen to you and it's all going to vary but the same thing is in the middle of it if we allow it to be in the middle of it and that is the hand of God in our lives the power of God in our lives and here's the thing about it The reason I want to preach a message like this is because I have so many meetings, so many conversations with people who say this same thing. I don't know if I can keep on going. I don't know if I can keep on doing this. It's hard. It's difficult. And if you haven't been there yet, trust me, there will be a day. And so that's why I feel like it's my mandate this morning to encourage us, to spur us on, that it's not in your willpower, it's not in your ability, it's not in your good looks, it's not in your resume, it's not in your financial prowess, it's not in any one of those things. The same power that rose Christ from the grave lives in us. It's that power that allows us to keep going. It's that power. And so I want to look at what this power looks like in our lives and and, and kind of some, some tangibles that I want us to wrestle with. And this is the first one. Come, everybody help me with like some power. Shout number one. Number one. This is the first thing we need to understand about is power. It's made perfect in weakness. I love that. It's made perfect in weakness. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. This is Paul writing. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. This is Paul's way of saying, I'm super smart. That's what he's saying. And he was about to become conceited. He, like, he's admitting it. He's like, I'm so awesome at thinking. And because of this greatness that's in me, God had to do something to make sure that I didn't become conceited because I'm awesome. <laughs> this is what he's saying. He says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, watch what he says, my power is made perfect in weakness. And then he goes on to say, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, 
I am strong. I love that idea. And the common thought that seems to perpetuate itself from generation to generation is that power is seen and experienced only in perfection. That power is perfection, or at least the the absence of weakness. But this is where the Bible takes a hard turn in the opposite direction and teaches us a whole other reality to life, that power, God's power, is actually perfected in our weakness. In other words, to experience the full weight and gravity of God's power, we must be weak. And here's the point. The frailty of our humanity is the conduit for the power of his divinity. So you got to be weak. And some of us freak out about that, don't we? How you doing today? I'm so good. Really? Yeah, I'm so strong. How you doing today, brother? Blessed. What does that even mean? <laughs> Maybe we've heard that before. And inside, you're, it's, like, it's like a, it's a chaotic, nuts. And we like, to, we like to post this picture, right? We have our social media self walking around. I want to submit to us today that our social media self is void of the power of God. Because the power of God is not attracted to perfection. The power of God is attracted to weakness. Weakness. And that's hard for us to assimilate because it's like, well, I gotta hold everything together. I gotta hold it together for my family. I gotta hold it together for my for my friends. I gotta hold it together for my for my job. I gotta hold it. Have you noticed there's a lot of holding it together? And nowhere within scripture does God say we need to hold it together. He says that I actually work all things together for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. We weren't meant to strive to hold it together. We were meant to rest it at the foot of Jesus so that he could hold it all together. That's the journey. That's faith. And so the first thing we need to understand about his powers, it's made perfect in our, in our weakness. Many of you have seen this, this picture before. These guys are going to throw it for me right there. How many of you have seen this picture before? Right, it's at the top of the Sistine Chapel. And, and I love this picture, but it was always a picture of a fence for a lot of people. How dare we suppose that God would interact with broken, frail humanity? And that's the gospel, isn't it? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that you and I might find life and life to the fullest. Not only does he interact with us, but the Bible said that he became us. He put on flesh, God incarnate, and in that he walked it out, and he felt what we felt, and he went through what we went through, and then Hebrews tells us, oh, because of that goodness, we can approach him knowing that he's gone through what we've gone through, and we can say, God, help me. I need your power. People think that God is void of feeling and understanding where we're at. But Jesus took it all on. That's the gospel. That's theology 101 is that he took it on. And you understand this is what they feel in their weakness. So I need to provide a way for them to have strength. I'm going to give them the thing that means the most. Jesus. And it's in that that we find strength. Many of us try to stand in our own power only to find that it's limited. 
and it has a shelf life. We can for a moment, for sure. But where life and its nuances, the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs are concerned, we quickly find ourselves out of power. Yet in Christ, we have a power source like no other. It does not demand, he does not demand perfection or having it all together. He does not need us to be stout and broad-shouldered and of great pedigree. He simply needs us to acknowledge our brokenness and our humanity and lay it at the foot of the cross. That's good news. I love it when my kids get hurt. <laughs> my kids are getting older. We have a six-month-old. She's not doing anything right now except just cooing and smiling at everything and pooping a lot. <laughs> Did he just say that in church? <laughs> yes. But I've got an eight-year-old and a six-soon-to-be-seven-year-old going on 18. <laughs> and it makes mom and I like go batty as we watch these kids grow up and we're like oh my gosh and you parents you know you know what i'm talking about it's the worst thing in the world to watch your kids grow up because they're like you used to be cute (laughs) as they get older they stop needing us right as they get older they stop they stop they stop interacting with us as much as they, as they were, and so then, like, I gravitate towards my six-month-old now so I can just hold her, and she just wants to be in my arms. Just, Dad's awesome, right? And my other kids, they're running and doing their thing. So every now and then, I have a little bit of joy when they get hurt. Because once again, something happens in that moment. They declare how much they need their dad. Why? Because they finally found the space of weakness that they can't overcome. They need dad. And it's in that place that I understand God's heart, his grace and his love and his power is attracted to people of weakness. So I want to tell us all this morning, it is okay to be weak. It is okay to be broken. It is okay to not have it all together. It is okay to be hanging on by the edge of it all. It is okay to not understand what's next. It is, it is okay to not have the five-year plan. It is okay that things aren't the best that they could be. Why? Because his power is attracted Second thing, everybody shot number two. Second thing we need to understand about power is this, is it produces fruit. It produces fruit. Now, Acts chapter one, verse eight, tells us something very, very important. And this is Jesus speaking. He says, you will receive power. Everybody shout power. Power. Come on, everybody shout power. power. Power, when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is a power in us which then bears fruit. You want to know what the fruit is? It's some pretty cool fruit. You can't get it at Smith's. I promise you that. You will never get it at Walmart. I promise you that. And Harmon's will never have it, okay? It's only the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 26, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many of you think that sounds like good fruit? That's good fruit. I want that fruit in my life. There's like nine of you. All right. Let me read the list again. (laughs) The power of God in us bears fruit that then marks us. And we've been invited to live a life. This This is the life you've been invited to. To live a life of joy, of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, and self control. What great power to have in our lives. In the Bible, this is actually deemed, theologians deemed, this is probably one of my most favorite, I guess, titles for the fruit of the Spirit. It's this, it's a catalog of grace. Catalog of grace, I love that idea. Paul presents us with a catalog of grace. And he sets out to help us understand that the operation of the Spirit of God in our lives gives us abilities that become necessary as we navigate the complexities of life. The New American Commentary puts it like this, the listing of of the sinful acts in the catalog of evil was disorderly, it was chaotic, it was incomplete, corresponding to the random, listen to what he says, and compulsive character of sin itself. In stark contrast now, the character traits contained in the catalog of grace appear in beautiful harmony, balanced and symmetrical, corresponding to the purposeful design and equilibrium of life filled with the Spirit and lived out in the beauty of holiness. I love that. In other words, what these commentators are saying is that when I participate with the power of God, there is fruit in my life that brings equilibrium and and a degree of balance to the chaos that I sometimes feel when things aren't going the way that I want it to go. I don't need to strive when my marriage isn't going the way that I want it to. I need the fruit of the Spirit. And we try to operate in our own power. I'm going to fix it. I've done this before with Erica. Like in full disclosure. We'll get into like a holy debate. It's called an argument. (laughs) To which she wins most times. Because she's smarter than me. And so we'll be in this conversation and I'll say something and, and I'll react a certain way and I'll quickly realize in like inter- like at a guttural level that, man, Jason, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have responded that way. But the funny thing is, is when I feel God's nudge in that, I'll try to respond by then fixing it myself. You ever been the fixer? Right? You know what I'm talking about? You try to fix something, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to do this, and, and maybe if I, if I do you know, a few extra dishes, or if I, if I do this, then I, and that doesn't work. She's still frustrated. Why? Because she wants to see Jason eating from fruit out of the power of God. There needs to be some joy, some peace, some patience, some kindness, some goodness, some lovingness and self-control. I don't need you to manage it on your own. I need to know that God's working in you. You see, we are the best fathers, we are the best mothers, we are the best friends, we are the best boyfriends and girlfriends, and, and we are the best workers, employees, employers. You fill in the blank. You're the best everything when Jesus is the first in everything. Why? Because he gives you a power source to navigate with. I need the fruit of the Spirit in my life. So, this is how, this is how it's kind of deemed. Um, once again, many commentators and theologians, these are just really smart people. If you, don't, like, if you haven't heard those words before, they're really smart people who write things with big words, okay? I'm going to boil that down for us. 
They believe, and in, in, in the way that this is structured, the way that Paul structures this list right here, he says that the first three listed, love, joy, and peace, they have to do with the composition of the mind and the power of God at work in our minds. The second three, patience, kindness, and goodness, have to do with social interaction and the power of God at work in our relationships. The third set of three, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, have to do with our character and the power of God at work and the faculties of our conduct. In other words, I put how we roll. Okay? In other words, the first three are about the way that I think. The second three are about the way that I interact. And the third three is about how I roll. Those pieces of fruit that are given to us in and by the power of God in our lives, give us the ability to no negotiate life in a stable mental place, in a stable place interacting with people in our relationships, and my character, the actions that then come out when I'm being pressed on all sides. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Have you ever, have you ever thought something bad before? Come on, there's like, no, there's more of you in here. Therapy right now, come on, right? You did it on your way here with that person driving in front of you. You're like, I'm going to kill that person. I'm going to kill him, right? We've all thought something bad before, right? Have you ever interacted with somebody in a non-positive way <laughs> before? Come on, right? And have you, ever, have you ever made a bad decision and acted in a way that was contrary to how you wanted to act? All of us have. We all have. Bree, don't look at me that way. The Bible's saying that we have the power to progress in our life when the fruit of the Spirit is at work in our life. But it's not by your discipline, it's not by your ability, it's by the power of God. Number three, ever shout number three? The third thing that the power of God does is it accomplishes more than we can imagine. I love this one, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, Watch what it says, though, according to the power that works in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. They say willpower built the world. Half truth. Half truth. Willpower got us some places, and then we started looking at what willpower got us, and we quickly went, oh, snap. There's a lot we can do in our own power. But I've come to realize that we will all reach the end of ourselves pretty quick, especially in the fast-paced, never-stop, always-plugged-in world that we live in. Right? There have been so many moments that I've stared at the mountain in front of me, the work to be done, the people to be reached, the goals that I have, and quickly found myself asking, can I do this? And the answer, no. With God, yes. And that's the point. He gives us the power necessary to do and see far beyond what we could ever ask for. The crazy part is, is that we are enamored by all that we can do, yet it pales in comparison to that which he could do through us. God has taken up residence in our hearts when we say yes to him. He enables us to face, engage, react, love, give, serve, build, reach according to the power at work within us. If you've ever found yourself lacking in energy and vibrancy and joy and love and all the things necessary to keep on persevering, to keep on doing, we've got to ask ourselves this question. Am I doing it in my own power or am I doing it in his power? 
Did you know you could show up to work every single day and do it in his power? You can't. I know a lot of people, I talk to a lot of people, man, I just, I'm done with this job. They don't even know what they got in me. So I'm just going to kind of sit back and, and, and not do anything. That's you taking the situation into your hands versus going, oh, I'm going to bring glory to God in every single place that I find myself. I need his power to help me do it, but I'm going to do it. When we try to negotiate and hustle it and figure it out, how many of you know we can get some places with it? But when we allow God to do that which he does in and through us, at the pow- in the power that works within us, how many of you know the situation can be very different? It can be very different. And so that's why we need to know and understand the third thing about his power is that it accomplishes more than we can imagine. Number four, shout number four. It gives strength in order to endure. It gives strength in order to endure. Colossians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, Paul writing again. He says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. The power to endure is not produced by personal strength. It is forged and found in the power of God. I think about the amount of times that I've wanted to give up on stuff. The amount of times, if I can be honest with you, that I've wanted to give up doing what I do. Can I just be, like, is that cool? Can we be honest this morning? Because I know you've been there. When I see another marriage hit the wall at 100 miles an hour, God, what are we doing? When I see another person who was, dude, they were going for it. They'd broken the addiction, and then they're right back into it. Man, God... We had a conversation. Like I talked to him over coffee. We had a burger together. I mean, that should be enough to overcome addiction, right? Aren't we humans weird? We think that we can do it. We think that it has anything to do with us. And so there's been moments where I'm just like, man, there's the white towel throw it in. Then I open up his word. I read Colossians 1, 24 through 29. This is my first whenever I want to give up. Listen to this. This is Paul writing again. Paul's nuts. <laughs> but I, I find myself in him sometimes. And he says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for you. And I'm completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the the church. In other words, what Paul is saying is that the church wasn't getting what Christ had done for them, so now Paul became a person who was striving to get them to understand. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Verse 29, I read this every single time I want to give up. Listen to it. He says, I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. 
want to ask you a question today. Where are you striving? I'm using long, awkward pauses right now because I want you to think about it. <laughs> Just so you know. <laughs> Why is he not talking? Where are you striving? Come on, show of hands. Another therapy session. How many of you would agree with me that striving gets very tiring? I've striven before. I do it all the time. Because I quickly move from this position where it's like, ah, oh, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna give it to God, but I'm so much better at it than him. <laughs> right? We think that way. I, I wanna give it to God. But I know that if I give it to him, he's not going to do it in my timing. <laughs> right? Isn't that how we get sometimes? Someone says, pray about it. I'm not praying about it. Because if I pray about it, he's going to work his timing. And his timing is slow. <laughs> I'll take it on. I'll do it. I'll shoulder the world. I'll make it all happen. But we can't. Why? Because that's striving in our strength. Did you know we're striving with his strength? We're actually not striving, we're riding. I love that. When we're striving in our own strength, we're pulling all of this. But when we're striving in his strength, we're not actually striving, we are riding. We're using his power to accomplish what he ultimately wants to do. And that's the beautiful thing. My endurance is a product of his power. I keep going because he keeps me going. Where are you striving today? What are you striving for? And the last one is this. Number five. Everybody shout number five. Power. It is produced by the cross. It is produced by the cross. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 I love this verse. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Ah, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Well, because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. So many of us believe that God saves but we behave like we keep. So I come to God in my weakness and my brokenness. I say, God, save me. Work in me. Do something in me. And we believe in his grace. We love grace. We love the subject of grace. The church loves the idea of grace. Unmerited gift, this thing that God gives us. And so we take the grace upon us and we believe okay God's done it all but now I have to behave in such a way that I keep on doing it all now somehow I'm perpetually designed to keep on earning the gift that he said he would freely give but I want you to hear something this afternoon I need you to hear something is that power is produced 
by the cross. When I live a life where I move the cross and try to strive and try to earn and try to get and try to produce what God said he would give freely, the cross loses its power. But when I realize because he loved me, he gave it freely as a gift, I receive all the power necessary to walk out this life. That is the beauty of the gospel. And that's why Paul writes, I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed to know that I'm a broken person. The church should really be called Broken People Anonymous. Where are you going Sunday, Broken People Anonymous? You know, I would hate it if I gave my son a gift. And he took that gift and he then asked the question, and I've said this before, but I want us to hear this today. And he asked the question, okay, cool, thank you for the gift. Now, what do I have to do to keep the gift? Dad, can you please give me the list of things that I need to do in order to keep this gift? And what, if I do it, will you do Will you now then take the gift from me? And isn't that how many of us behave? We walk out this life of faith with God, and we're like, oh, just waiting. Like, I'm trying to earn it. I'm trying to, like, do everything I can to keep this gift. But then at the same time, I'm paranoid that I'm going to lose this gift if I do something. If I realize that I'm, that I'm broken, that's not grace. It's not grace. It's not the cross. Some of us are lacking power this morning. We're lacking power to face our addiction. We're lacking power to face our thoughts. We're lacking power to to face the the future ahead of us. We're, We're lacking power to face the things that are in us. We're lacking this power. And what we need to do is we need to come back to the cross, my power source. Go back to the cross. Go back to the cross. Don't go back to religion. Come back to the cross. Don't come back to behavior modification. Go back to the cross. Don't go back to trying to earn it and trying to to serve it and trying to win it. Go back to the cross. Don't go back to the things that we do to perform and to earn. Go back to the cross. The cross has always been there, will always be there. It is your power source. It is the gospel. It is the good news. Go back to the cross. It's in the cross. So this weekend, church, if you haven't heard anything else, remember the bunny. This little power source. Right here. Remember the bunny. The bunny is nothing without that. If you want to keep going and going and going and going and going, power source. It's the power source. This weekend, what have you made your power source? What have you been striving for? What have you been trying to earn? Because I want to encourage you, go back to the cross. Go back to the one that says, hey, I'm going to work in you and through you. I'm going to give you everything that you need in Jesus' name. Come on, would you